You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. All right, it's Tuesday afternoon and I'm here with Kirk Marks. Hey, Fin Fans. Welcome back, Kirk. Thank you, sir. And Louis Ragoni. Hello, Dolphins. How are you, Louis? I'm doing great, thank you. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? I did. I did. I did. I did. How Didn't about you, go- Kirk? Yeah, it was exciting. It was a good Super Bowl. You have two different teams, no New England, so that made it nice. Ah, aren't you? You're not kidding. I mean, I was so happy that they didn't make it. And, you know, the Dolphins were a big reason why they didn't make it. So that's fun, too. So that that uh, <laughs> makes you feel good. So, Lewis, what did you think of the game? I, I, You know, I thought the game went as we predicted it, Mike. Um, well, except for the final score. Except for the final score, right? For three quarters, it went as we predicted it would and then in the fourth quarter it just uh went in a different direction are we going to go here now mike or are we going to start with something else we're going to just just quickly wanted to know what your thoughts of it were what what we're actually going to talk about right now is uh, the hall of fame selection committee not selecting our guy Uh, zach thomas was uh not selected and uh i know that makes dolphin fans sad but uh you know, they got to realize they had 10 guys and they could only take five of those 10. And that means that five players out of those 10 did not get taken. And Zach was one of them. So what are your thoughts on that, Lewis? If you base it on comparing his statistics to Erlacher and some of the other guys that are in there, right? then, then he absolutely deserves to be there in regard to statistically being there, okay? And what they have done for other players. But Again, you know, I mean, I've read some of the posts on the Facebook page and the, you know, the bickering back and forth in <laughs> regard to the different opinions. And both of us were in agreement. We don't consider him a Hall of Fame player. We don't put him up against a Ray Nishke or a Dick Buckus or a Lawrence Taylor type of football player. You know, there, there's valid points on both sides. Um, you know, but the most interesting points that I read, and uh, these are true. In games where where they were close, when Zach and Jason and we had that defense behind, you know, behind Jimmy Johnson coaching, uh, we didn't win a lot of big games. We just didn't. And our defense tended to fail us late in games over and over. Now, we can go back and we can you know, and maybe on one of the shows we can go back and and show some validity to what I'm saying right now, but just remembering back then we always seem to fail late in games, and we didn't win a lot of playoff games through through that through I think that whole they period. Won two under Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So you know, when you look at that defense and you look at the amount of players that they had, you had guys like Bowens, you had Sertan and Madison on the corners, uh, you had two very good safeties as well. Um, you know, you had Jason Taylor across the line of scrimmage, Daryl Gardner. You had Zach, of course. I mean, you had some very, very solid players and they just didn't win enough. So, you know, when you throw that into the mix and, 
you don't see those game-changing plays in big games, then, you know, that has a lot to do with, you know, what, you know, decisions that are made in regard to these guys being Hall of Famers. I said it from the beginning, Mike, and I'll, I'll let Kirk talk a little bit about it. The, you know, the point is this, is that I don't consider Zach a Hall of Fame player, nor do I consider Erlacher a Hall of Fame player. Um, you know, I don't think they were one of the greatest of all times. I think they were very, very good linebackers, and they did it for a nice, you know, extended time there. So, you know, maybe there's some, you know, validity. I mean, to you could make an argument Zach yes. was the best Dolphin linebacker of all time. You could make an argument Offerdahl was, if not for his health. You could make an argument Bonacani was. Right, who's uh, in the Hall of Fame. Right. So, so you know, mm-hmm. it, it depends on how you look at it. But as as I've said a number of times, they've lowered the bar when you're allowing guys like Urlacher in. And right. For that reason, I think he should make it. But in my mind, do either one of them deserve it? No, not really. Right. And if it sounds like I'm talking in circles, I am. You know, because I'm, you know, it's kind of like – Yes and no. You right, know, it's exactly. a yes and no question. Yes, based on the guys that are in there, and no, I don't feel that he's one of the greatest of all times. I think he was a very, very solid football player, and uh, he did it for you know a seven, eight year uh, stretch there. So that that goes for something as well. So, I mean, again, you know, we can go back and forth on this, Mike, and um, you know, let Kirk talk a little bit about it. Because um, I've exhausted, you know, uh, going back and forth on this. Sure. It's, it's a struggle. It really is. How do you see it, Kirk? Well, I Earl Acker got in, and based on him getting in, Zach should have gone in. If Earl Acker never got in, then the Zach Thomas argument might not be that strong because we didn't win a lot of games, but he was a very good linebacker. But since they let that other guy in, Zach deserves to be in because they lowered the bar for him, and Zach – was in my opinion was better than him and has better stats than him so that's what's carrying the argument every time they talk about it it's like right we go back to Erlacher. so if they didn't let him in then we might not have this conversation we might all want him to be in but knowing that maybe he doesn't belong in there right but based on based on Erlacher, i'm pro zach and i believe so that you're pre- you pretty it. much agree with us i mean that's pretty much what we've been saying yep i'm just talking in circles the other direction but we all agree <laughs> Yeah. And go, you know, go down the list, Mike, of the guys that got in. Let's just, you know, have a little fun here. Palomalo. I right. mean, I think we're all in agreement on the fact that he should have got in, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Who do we got up next on that list? I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, you had uh, the running back, Edron James. Edron James, you would have to say, due to his longevity and the numbers he put up, he des- he's deserving. Are we in agreement on that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I always considered him to be an elite back. Okay, gotcha. All right. Uh, I know that Isaac Bruce was on the list, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Uh, is he is he deserving, guys? That's a tough one for me. That's a very very tough one for me as well. I I thought he was a great receiver on <laughs> some really really good offensive teams, but. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he one of the greatest receivers of all time? That's that's tough. Yeah, that's I, really I, tough. I don't know that I see that. You know, again, excellent player, but greatest of the greatest, probably not. And Kirk, you're in agreement on that as well. 
Yeah, I and I, I wish I had the stats of the other receivers. Me too, because I'm going off. I'm going it. off my memory of him. You know, um, you know, I think the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, Randy Moss, Paul Warfield, and, and to me, they they you know those guys are better receivers. Uh, right. You consider them one of the greatest of all time. Do so I consider Isaac Bruce one? I mean, statistically, he probably has the numbers there, but he played <laughs> at a time where, you know, they, they were just were airing it. Get, right? They were airing it out. Uh, Steve Hutchinson, you know, he played for 11 years. He was one of the best guards in, in the league at that time. Um, is he one of the greatest of all times? Again, question mark. And Wasn't the, better than Kuchenberg. Right, and there you have it. So there's arguments to be had there. Now, Steve Atwater, I mean – he very very good player, but one of the greatest of all times. I you know I, I have a hard time with that one as well. Well, this is what we mean when we say they're lowering the bar, right? I mean, you know, a few of these guys on this list that got in this year, I I do not consider them any better than Zach Thomas, and they got in and he didn't. So again, we're going back to you know uh, the level. Yep. So. Yep. And you got and two safeties. They took Say two again. safeties out of the five. Right. Now Paolo Malo was a game changer. I mean, I personally I do believe that he was so one I. of the one of the best safeties that ever played the game. There's no question about it. Now <laughs> what's funny is is that you know, you you had a guy like um oh God, you had Leroy Butler who, you know, was a safety as well for a lot of Packer teams. You had Tony Baselli on this list, who at the time, now he played in Jacksonville, but he was the best offensive lineman. Let me tell you, the Jacksonville fans feel very much like the Dolphin fans feel about Zach. They, they, it's a farce. He should have got in. <laughs> right. So you get Hutchinson, you put Hutchinson in, but yet you don't put Baselli in. Now, Baselli's career was very short. He only played six years, much like – uh, Dwight Stevenson, our right. guy. You know, right. he had a very, very short career year, but he was dominant in every single year he played. Um, you know, Reggie Wayne, I believe, was on the finalist list. Now, is Isaac Bruce any better than Reggie Wayne? I mean, I consider Reggie Wayne one of the greatest of all times. I I would put him in over over um, Isaac Bruce. In I my think opinion. I agree with you. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it, we are agreeing way too much. Yeah. We are. John Lynch. A lot of podcasts left. <laughs> right, a lot of podcasts <laughs> left. Yeah, there you go, Kirk. You know, John Lynch is another one that was on the list. And, you know, in my opinion, Lynch was just as good, just as good as uh, the fellow who got in, uh, Steve Atwater. So, I mean, it's all subjective. And, you know, we can go back and forth on this. I think all of these guys were very good players. Were some of them Hall of Famers? I don't think so. Speaking of very good players, uh, Frank Gore made it known he would love to come back to the Dolphins. How would you guys feel about that, Kirk? be honest with you, I, I don't think I'd have a problem with it because we need running backs. We're going to need a veteran running back, and he did well for us. And I'd, since he's from Miami, I'd like to see him you know, finish his career there if that's what he wants to do. It wouldn't hurt to have him. It just wouldn't hurt way. to have him, right? I mean, he'd be a great example to the youngsters, and, and for that reason, I'd be for it. Also, I just would not want him to be a progress stopper if they do draft a young running back. So, you know, it depends on how you look at it, but I definitely think he should be on the roster. Whether or not he's a starter or should be a starter at this point in his career remains to be seen. 
Yeah, I, I don't think they would bring him in as a starter, Mike. I think, listen, we don't have any running backs right now, basically, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you have Laird, who I would expect to be back. Um, past him, everybody else is a major question mark. I think that if you do bring Gore back in, you know, he's another veteran guy that can teach these young guys that we're going to draft. I mean, we're definitely going to bring some young players in. And maybe we get somebody, you know, a, an undrafted free agent running back that develops as well. I mean, we, you know, they found Preston Williams last year in, in you know, in that role. That's so, right. you know, going down that avenue. So the point is, is that it wouldn't hurt to have a guy like that in. They have to bring a veteran running back in as far as I'm concerned one way or another. We talked about this a few podcasts back that they have to bring in a veteran regardless of what they do. They have to get some depth there. And I think Gore is a perfect guy. So why'd they ship him off? You know, Mike, I don't know if they shipped him off, you know, more so than, you know, he, he got offered money in Buffalo and he went there. You know, I mean, I think that coming into this season, and going into next season, you know, every year you got to evaluate uh, what your situation is. And I, I feel that what the, what they're thinking was is that they were okay with Bellage. And gotcha. obviously he fell on his face. So, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, they felt they had enough depth there. And um, that didn't happen. It didn't develop that way. So we'll see. Yeah. So there's this rumor circling around that uh, Tom Brady is going to buy, I guess, a portion, you know, a small portion of the Dolphins. And uh, Stephen Ross came out and said right after that rumor broke that that's not going to happen as long as he's alive. So I think we can kind of squash that, uh, at least for the uh, (laughs) short-term future anyway, you know. (laughs) I don't right. know where this stuff comes from. I really don't. But, that is a uh, day-to-day situation with, with Ross's age, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. He seems pretty healthy to me. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, you never know. <laughs> right. You know, any moment the Grim Reaper can come knocking, but uh, he seems healthy and he seems uh, he certainly had a great weekend, didn't he? Yeah, he couldn't be prouder of the way things went. Yeah, so... Let's talk about that. Lewis, I asked you a little bit ago what you thought of the Super Bowl. Obviously, you enjoyed it. Uh, what did you take away from the game? You know, you, you have a game in place. You got a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And the game basically changed over the simple fact that Garoppolo just couldn't do anything. Um, you look at their possessions in the fourth quarter. Uh, going into the third quarter, I don't know if you guys... He was 3 for 11 in the fourth quarter. He was 3 for 11, but let, let's keep in mind, right before the end of the third quarter, Mahomes gets intercepted again. Yep. And you're going into the fourth quarter, and San Francisco's defense is just absolutely dominating. Kansas where, City had them right where they wanted them. Ab- right. Well, yes <laughs> and no. I mean... You know, their first possession in the fourth quarter. Let me just run through these possessions real Uh quick, and I'm going to tell you how this game was lost, okay? So after the interception, we go into the fourth quarter, and San Francisco has the ball for five plays in three minutes, and they punt. Next, and Kansas City goes right down, scores a touchdown to make it 2017. Next possession, three plays. They take a minute and three seconds off the clock. Kansas City gets the ball back, goes ahead 24-20. 
Next possession, San Francisco, seven plays, a minute 19 off the clock. Okay? Kansas City goes up the field, scores a touchdown again. And, of course, on their last possession, uh, Garoppolo got intercepted. But my point is this, is that when you're playing against a team like Kansas City and you give them those opportunities in the fourth quarter and you're taking no time off the clock, I mean, combined on those three possessions, they held the ball for five minutes. And you can't do that. You have to. I think what they did was, and I can go back and look at their play calling, but there were times in that game where I felt that they needed to stick with the run. And I don't care if Kansas City had 11 guys in the box. They put the ball in Garoppolo's hands a little bit more than what they probably should have. And I think that in turn, it cost them the game, especially in the fourth quarter, because I'll tell you what, San Francisco had some drives where they were just handing the ball off and just saying, you know what, we're just going to run at them. And they did. And And they they went gaping holes. Oh, and they were killing them. And in my opinion, they got away from it. The other thing, and then we'll let, you know, again, I'm talking a lot here, but the other thing that was very surprising to me when you're playing a team like Kansas City was right before halftime when uh, Kansas City had a possession and San Francisco stopped them, and there was about a minute and a half left on the clock, and Shanahan did not call a timeout. Now, I didn't understand it. They made the clock tick down. Um, they they did wind up punting to him. San Francisco wound up hitting on a big play over the middle for like 25, 30 yards. And they had an opportunity to put some more points on before the half. And they were extremely conservative. And I just can't understand that. I mean, you got to go pedal to the metal when you're playing Kansas City. I mean, obviously, San Francisco did not watch the games that they played through the playoffs because they did this over and over again. All right, again. but clarify something for me. Yeah, go ahead. You're saying they should go pedal to the metal, but on the other hand, you're saying they shouldn't be putting the ball in Garoppolo's hands as much. So what would you have had them do? Mike, before the half – they had an opportunity to put points on the board. Now, I'm not saying you run the football with a minute 30 left on the clock. What I'm saying is is that you have to give your offense an opportunity to make plays and get some more points on the board with a minute and a half left. They had all three timeouts. All they had to do was call a timeout yep. on that on that fourth down play. And, and I mean, they, I'm not disagreeing with you. I thought right. they botched it. I really did. Oh, I thought they absolutely. botched it. Yeah. But, you know, in that situation, Mike, obviously you're not going to run the football a lot. But when you have a 10-point lead, I don't care if you run the ball three straight downs. You know, you're, you've got – listen, you've got a team that – has ran the ball extremely well all year. And on the opposite side, you have a team that hasn't really played great defense. And you had drives where you just ran it right at them and you destroyed them. And in my opinion, they got away from that. Yeah, you know, the bottom I mean, line to me is this. You're playing a very explosive team and you only get so many possessions a game. Right. You can't give them away. And they gave that possession away. And uh, normally that's going to come back and bite you. And it did. You know, in in the end, it definitely did. Well, Garoppolo wound up throwing the ball 31 times. Now, keep in mind, 
that they had a lead going in, going into the fourth quarter. Now, if you're trailing in games like we were all year, Fitzpatrick had to throw the ball 40 times a game, and we're not a very good running team. So it, it it's the circumstances involved. But when you have Garoppolo throwing the ball 31 times, and you have Mo, Mozart running rushing the ball 12 times over the course of the game, and then you had Tevin Coleman, you can throw in his five rushes. You ran the ball 17 times. And Debo Samuel had a couple of rushes, you know, on the end of rounds. And they were very, very successful plays. He had three carries for 53 yards on those three runs. My point is this, is that they threw the ball twice as much as they, almost twice as much as they ran the football. And that's not what got them there. I think they honestly went away from what they do very, very well. And it wound up costing them the football game. How'd you see it, Kirk? Yeah, my opinion on the game was that San Francisco, I think San Francisco lost the game more than Kansas City won it. Because, really? yeah, because I look at one, one thing and I'm looking at the, the stats for the final four drives. For San Francisco and they gained a total of 49 yards so that being said and the points that you guys made about them not running the ball enough uh, this kid Mozart only carried the ball 12 times like Lou said and they should have kept feeding them because when they were feeding them the ball they were gaining yards and with Samuels with the uh, end of rounds he did well with that and I think they gave up on it and did put the ball in Garoppolo's hands and I think in the end, that's what ultimately cost them the game because they were in control of the game and they let it get away from them. Yes, but that's normally what happens when you when you have another team come from behind, right? You you somehow lose momentum and uh, the other team starts to get it and it energizes them. Uh, as I watched that game, I really enjoyed the play calling of Andy Reid. Um, I enjoyed the direct snaps. Uh, every one of those were, were big plays, and they all worked. Um, I enjoyed uh, the third and 15 pass to Tyreek Hill, who was wide open and, and basically had to call a fair catch on the throw because it wasn't, you know, you had to wait for it. But uh, the point was, Mahomes makes plays that win games. He just does. It's his M.O. And, you know, we, we had a guy like that. And uh, he reminds me very much of Marino when he's losing because it doesn't phase him. He knows when he gets back on that field, he's going to come back. And uh, they have tremendous confidence, that team. And, and, you know, they came from behind three times in the playoffs. And that, that tells you all you need to know. They're, they're a clutch team. And uh, you may have them down, but it's tough to knock them out. Exactly. And it, it was a tale of two quarterbacks, Mike. It, you know, Absolutely. To, to Kirk's point, you know, those possessions, you know, a lot of that falls on the fact that Garoppolo just could not make plays. I mean, could match he, it, right. He, he had opportunities, you know, looking back on it from what I remember to run the football in situations for first downs. And he chose to throw the ball, which went for incompletions. He just did not play well at all in the fourth quarter. And Mahomes played lights out, and that inevitably did him in. Yeah. It comes down to that. It's that simple. One quarterback played great, the other you one didn't. You have to make plays when you have to make plays. And, uh, you know, we all know that time in the game. It's usually late in the fourth quarter, usually. Absolutely. But there's other times during the game you have to make plays if you're going to stay in the game. 
Exactly. And uh, some quarterbacks have that ability. And there's no doubt Mahomes has talent around him. You know, somebody made the point to me that, you know, well, the talent around him makes the difference. And, you know, my response to that is looking back to the Dolphins. Um, when I look at the Dolphins this year, I saw Parker have a career year. I saw Kaseki have a career year. And to me, that tells me that this quarterback that we have now is allowing his receivers to make plays. And it's the same thing with the Chiefs. You know, they had Alex Smith, and they were not as explosive, were they? Exactly. You know, they were a playoff team, but they weren't as explosive. And, you know, the quarterback makes a difference. I don't care what you tell me. The quarterback makes a difference. So that's how I see it. And uh, I I thought that, uh, you know, Damian Williams had a nice game, uh, but he had some wide open holes to run through. It wasn't, I didn't feel like he was worthy of the MVP as some other people did. I thought it was clearly Mahomes. Uh, you know, you got to give the guy MVP when he makes these comebacks time after time after time. And when you come back in the Super Bowl in the last half of the fourth quarter, you, you earned it. Period. Agreed. And, and you know, the argument in regard to the MVP, Mike, um, Damian Williams' touchdown at the end of the game was kind of an afterthought. The game was already done. Yes. I mean, to be honest with you, you should have just sat down. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, and the game's over. I mean, yeah, we've somebody seen... argued with me about that too, but I didn't even get into it. No, I mean, I mean... W- once he got that first down, the game was done. He could have ran the ball down to the three yard line and and just sat. taking a knee, right? Taking a knee, and the game is over. I mean, why g- even give San Francisco an opportunity? Now it is far fetched for them to come back but at it's that possible. point. It's but not it's... possible if they don't have the ball. Unless exactly, you fumble it or do something ridiculous. Exactly, the game's over. He takes a knee three times. Even if San Francisco gets the ball at the three yard line, if they even ha- would have had time at the end, it wouldn't have made a difference. But right. You know, you look at what Mahomes did and the plays that he made. The third and 15 was the turning point in the game. And and he created a little bit more time, and he threw the ball somewhat sidearm, and he threw the ball 50 yards down the field. That was the turning point. Because if they don't pick up that first down, as far as I'm concerned, the game's over. It's over. Third and 15, San Francisco's dominating, and he throws that long pass to Hill, and it changes the whole game around. A couple plays later, they're in the end zone, and now you got a completely different football game. So, yeah, Mahomes should have got the MVP. What do you think, Kirk? I agree with that. I I think it was pretty close decision-wise. I think Damian Williams made a nice case for himself, but uh, Mahomes definitely deserved it. I mean, I don't want to undermine his effort. The, the kid played good, and I was happy to see that because I always liked Damian Williams. Uh, yes. You know, I liked him with us. Although, you know, if people go back and look at his stats, he really, you know, they're not eye-popping, let's put it that way. Right. But, he was a backup. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, he's a nice little receiver out of the backfield. He, he runs the ball fairly well. So I've got no problem with Damian Williams. I just didn't think he was MVP. Agreed. Agreed. All right, so as I like to do every once in a while, I, I went into the Dolphins' record book, and I want to throw a question at you guys. Okay. Throughout their history, the Dolphins have had seven quarterbacks throw for 400 or more yards. Do you know who they were? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you want to start and take the easy one, Kirk? 
You want to give me Marino, Lou? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you Marino. Yep, he was one. Oh. Uh, uh, all right, so you got Marino. Um, t- Tannehill do it, Mike? He did. That's what I thought. Okay. So now you're up, Kirk. Um, trying to run through this. I, I'll just throw some names out there. Uh, Fiedler? No. Good. <laughs> did Fitzpatrick do it this year, Mike? He did. He threw for 419. Okay. So now we're up to three, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Kurt, you're up. Come on, man. <laughs> Step up to the yards. plate. Yep. I, I could just throw names at you. Uh, well, think back. How about how about Struck? Yes, sir. And you know the game, do you? Yeah, well, I was at the game like you guys. Yep. All right, so we're up to four. We're up to four, Mike. You're up to four. All right, let's go with Greasy. You had to have one 400-yard game. He did not. He didn't. Okay, that's strike one against me. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Kirk. You're up. We need three more here. Three more. Three more? Yep. Oh, I um, got one. I got one. I got one. Scott Mitchell. No. No. Oh, I thought for sure he got it. That <laughs> I would have thought him too. Yeah. No. All right. So that's two strikes on me now. Well, I might as well get my second strike. How about Pennington? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Here's another one, Mike. How about Mr. Matt Moore? No. All right. That's three. good guess, though. All right. Wow. Woodley? Yes. Woodley? I got one. Come on. Who would have, who would have thought that, right? Oh, heck I no. thought it. You know what? I'm going to throw an oddball one out because I swear he had like a ridiculous game on a on a night game. A.J. Feely? No. It was? Okay. No. All right. Because I know he had like a big game, I think against New England on a Monday night or something, where, you know, he threw a touchdown late in the well, game. Well, I'll give you guys a hint. The next two quarterbacks, last name, both begin with the letter H. Oh, God. You're going to tell me Joey Harrington had a 400-yard game for us? I am. He threw for 414. And Chad Henney? You got it. Oh, oh. my goodness. Wow. Would have never. How many yards did Hennington have in a game? Harrington? Yeah. You just H- said it, right? Yeah, 414, and Henney had 416. Wow. Unbelievable. So... Let's, they were far and few between. <laughs> well, they didn't fare well in these games. Uh, <laughs> the one Marino was against the Jets. He threw for 521 yards. That was the most ever thrown in a Dolphin game. And we lost and, that and game. And we lost that game 44-30. to uh, The Tannehill game, we lost to Arizona 24-21. He threw for uh, 416. I'm I sorry. think that wait, was the no, game wait. that, that um, Heartline went crazy. Yeah, 431. I'm sorry. Uh, the next game was uh, Fitzpatrick this year. Uh, he threw for 419 against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henny's game was against New England. He threw for 416 yards, had a couple of touchdowns, an interception. They lost 38-24. Uh, in that game, uh, Welker had a 99-yard reception. Hmm. Joey Harrington's game took place in 06. That was... Uh, to the Packers, he threw for 414 yards. They lost 34-24. He threw two touchdowns, three interceptions. 
David Woodley's was an 81, and uh, they were playing the Cowboys and, and lost a close one. But, you know, he, he threw three touchdowns, which was David Woodley-like. The problem was he threw five interceptions to go with it, and they <laughs> lost by a point, 28-27. Wow. Uh, wow. And, and Strzok's game, we all know, it was it was the thriller in Miami, San the Diego. 41-38 uh, loss to the Chargers. So yep. we, and, we lost all of those games except Fitzpatrick's. And he did that in roughly three quarters to boot Strzok. Yeah, Strzok did. That was probably the most prolific game of the bunch if you exclude uh, Marino's 521. Right. Definitely. That's interesting. That. Yeah, I like that, I, Mike. I like that. Very interesting yeah, stuff. Some I of those guys never in a million. You'd never guess. No, uh, especially Woodley. Harrington, uh, Henny. These are guys you don't, and even Woodley, you don't, you don't look back and say, you know, they, they wouldn't have had a 400-yard game. Woodley barely got to 200 in most games, yep. Mike. I mean, yep. you know, he was usually 150, you know, somewhere in, in that range for him right. to get to 400. That's right. unbelievable. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch that game to believe it. <laughs> I know, right? I'm sure so, you can find it. Uh, very possibly. If, if it was at, at home, I probably don't have it because a lot of those games were back, blacked out back then. Right. But uh, anyway, so that's it for uh, this week's show. You guys have anything uh, you want to add? Lou? <laughs> oh, you're turning it to me. I'm I good. I have something Kirk. to add, but I, I, I think I'm good. Um, All right, you know, let's hear it, Kirk. What you got? Uh, it's not dolphin related. Okay, but the the way they do this uh, MVP, like they gave this MVP to Lamar Jackson, uh huh, doesn't make any sense to me that they don't wait till the very end to do something like that because you know after what Mahomes did, carrying you know getting the team through the playoffs and carrying them through and stuff. I think he's more deserving of that than Lamar Jackson was. I right? don't disagree with you, but I really think they base it on the regular season. They do. They do. They do it in baseball the same way, Kirk. Um, you know, in re- in regard to the the postseason, it kind of takes a lot of people out of the mix in that situation. And you know, if you look at Jackson's statistics over the course of the year and what he did in the playoffs, it's you know, it's one end of the spectrum to the other. You know, and um, Mahomes is deserving just as much if you throw in the playoff games. There's no question about that. But I think that Mahomes is very happy with a Super Bowl ring and a Super Bowl championship. And the MVP and, of the without, Super Bowl. And Jack, right? you know, and yeah, Jackson. without a doubt. Right. Without a doubt. But it, you may, it, it is a very, very valid point, and it's discussed when it comes to the MVP in baseball and, and Cy Young and all those awards as well. Like Mike said, they base it strictly on the regular season, and I think that the voting is done uh, shortly thereafter, right? I would think, you know. Yes. So there and is then an the question: influence. Is this without his performance, does Baltimore make the playoffs? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Now their defense was decent, but I don't know that they that Flacco wasn't going to get them there when he was with them. You know, he he's he's went he's gone downhill basically. I don't know that they have another quarterback on the roster that would be able to do what Jackson did. No, I don't think. I don't think there's. You're absolutely right. There's no way. And we, you know what, Mike? One one quick thing too in regard to the halftime show because I. Th- oh yeah, we did want to talk about that, didn't we? We did. We did. Uh, what were you both of your guys' thoughts on that? I'm going to throw this at at you guys and Kirk. I'm going to throw it at you first since okay. you got me on the last one. So go ahead. What were your thoughts on it? Did you watch it? Oh, I definitely watched it. And, 
<laughs> I didn't have any problem with it. Um, you know, a lot of people seem to have problem with. It, but here's the here's the thing that I that that I'll bring up since we're talking about it. Last year, you had that one guy who's practically naked on a stage. Right. Um, I can't think of his name. Um, I don't remember that for good reason. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to say you were looking, right? <laughs> but uh, th- there was no big problem with that last year. Now, all of a sudden, you get two women up there that, that are, are great entertainers. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They entertained. There was, uh, you know, like a, a Latin flow to it or whatever. But I a thought Miami it was a really vibe. good. It definitely had a Miami vibe. Yeah, and it was a, it was a very good show. I don't think it was really tasteless. Um, and I see there's a lot of people saying it was horrible. I've seen people say it was boring. What do they really want these people to do at halftime? I mean, they, they I thought that, that it was a good show. I didn't turn away from it. And, you know, it kept me interested. And it was because of the music and the dancing and the stuff like that. And I... Well, you know, Lou and I opinion. previously talked about it, so I, I'm going to let him take it over when you're done. So okay. go ahead yeah, and finish and, 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 and let Lewis get his comments in. And, I, and I'm sitting next to uh, some of my classmates from high school. Some of them are women, and my wife's sitting there, and they loved it. So they didn't have a problem with it. Right. And, so that and was that's our opinion. The same thing on this end. Uh, the, the women that were, they, they didn't have any problem with it. I mean, the thing is this, is that, they wanted, like you said, Mike, they wanted to add the Latin flavor into it, and that's fine. You know, I didn't have any problem with it. In every city, you know, they have a different uh, different type of music. And I, I like the fact that they incorporate that into the cities. And uh, Shakira is just an incredible talent. Phenomenal. She's just incredible. Um you know, she played the drums at some point. She played the guitar. the guitar at some point. She dances above and beyond. I mean, she is a true, true talent. Now, the other one, I'm not so high on. You know, it, it's all fluff. It's all 20 dancers around her. And I know she's getting up there in age and so on and so forth. And a lot of different things have been thrown at me because at our Super Bowl party, I, as soon as it was over, I said that Shakira just blew J-Lo's doors away. The energy that she brings to the table and the way she danced, she's just an incredible talent. And I think she outshined J-Lo by far. Um, you know, I don't, I haven't read anything in regard to the comments you guys were referring or what you were referring to Kirk in regard to it was maybe tasteless or whatever, but I mean, you know, the Janet Jackson thing, which was what, 10 years ago. I mean, that was probably staged and, you know, I mean, it, that's the way it is nowadays, you know, in, in this country, you know, everything's out there, you know, you have all different types of, uh, individuals being very open about how they are. So I don't have a problem with the sexuality, uh, you know, straight women going out there and doing that type of thing. It was, it was great. It was absolutely great. Well, I, I too thought it was great. I thought it was a fabulous halftime show. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to put on that type of performance under the pressure that they have to put it on under. And uh, I, I thought both women were phenomenal, to be honest. Now, I'm going to absolutely agree with you, Lewis. Shakira is above J-Lo. Just mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but on the other hand, for a 50-year-old woman, she looks damn good and moves pretty well. 
Absolutely. She's fine. There's no question about that. And also, I had no complaints, really. Mm -hmm. No complaints whatsoever. I thought it was tasteful. I didn't think it was over the top, uh, you know, but that's me. That's my opinion. You know, the parts that should have been covered were covered. If you got upset, they shake their butts. Okay, that's your opinion. But to me, it didn't bother. Guys, what 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 was the deal with with the fella that was out there on a couple of occasions? That that outfit he was dressed in. <laughs> that I can't and, say. I mean, it's a Spanish I, thing. I, I don't know. I have <laughs> no idea who that is or where he came from, but it, it just didn't seem to fit. <laughs> yeah, one one guy that said it was a Mexican thing. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the Spanish culture to be able to say. So I right. would only be talking out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. So um with that i think we're going to end today's show i want to thank everybody for listening and, and of course you guys for joining me very welcome pleasure Always. and uh, we'll be back you, next Kurt. we'll be back next week uh, jim was a little under the weather today or he'd have been here but uh, maybe he'll be back next week yeah he would have been gloating mike because he oh he definitely would have you know we'll hear it next week I'm we'll sure. hear it next week maybe i'll take the week off next week so maybe he'll, me maybe too. he'll forget about it two weeks from now <laughs> But listen, he picked the game right. He, he deserves his props. So he props was close. To Jim. He was close on the score as well, I think. Yeah, I remember. think he was. So good I for him. He was. We'll All give right, you a pat so. on the back when we see you, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Just don't give me nothing because I don't want to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks, guys, and everybody. We'll be back next uh, Tuesday. Fins up, Dolphins. Fins up. Fins up. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 